my lifestyle, it's my lifestyle. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Grounds Crew, a podcast covering all things baseball. We're brought to you by Baseball Lifestyle. And we're live? Yeah. We're live. Welcome back to the Grounds Crew, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Josh Gerson, with Dennis Dietz, producing. Not, not Bill. Not Bill today. He's uh, feeling unwell, so he's not with us. Bill, we miss you. Feel better. Um, before we get started, make sure you like and subscribe. Toss us a review. Follow us on all special on all social platforms. They'll be listed below. And make sure you follow us on TikTok. We're we're a good time on there. Um, Dennis, I got a story for you. Tell me. All right. Uh, I went for a drive this week. Okay. Um, nice long drive. Beautiful day. Just you know, cruising around doing my thing. Um, you know, I was driving along the the coastline, and I and I and I saw this this cliff, and there was like a sign there. Um, and it said, on the sign, it said, from late May to June, to early June of 2022, this is the cliff that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim fell off of. And, you know, I sat there for a second, and I was like, wow, that's sad. Because the Angels have lost 14 games in a row, Dennis. 14 in a row. And on top of that, they fired their manager, Joe Madden, in the process. And it hasn't gotten better. It's continued to get worse, and it's it's sad, really, because there was a time where we sat here and we said, you know, the Angels have a nice little shot at winning the AL West. We we even I I won't even say that you might have picked them to win the AL West. Is that correct? I picked the Astros. Picked the Astros. Okay, I think then it was Bill that picked the Angels. Yeah, Bill picked the Angels. Yeah, he said I believe something along the lines of there's no shot they don't win the division this year. Probably that's that sounds about right. And it's it's unfortunate that this this is happening, and then Bill's not on the show. That's just, you know, it, it's poetic, really. Convenient how that works, Billiam. Yeah. Uh, it's it's disappointing because, you know what? That, like, they were right in the hunt. They were they were kind of neck and neck with the Astros, the Mariners a little bit, and now all of a sudden, not even at the All-Star break yet, the Angels are not in the half back. At and least they put out cool jerseys. They did put out cool jerseys. That didn't really help them much, <laughs> but they looked cool, and that's good. That, that counts for something, at least. Um and then, on top of that, they decided, hey, we're going to shake it up a little bit. We're going to have everybody walk out to Nickelback because that's what's going to fix us. And I want to say Nickelback is probably Mike Trout's hair brand. Like, if, if you really had to pick a if band. If you had to guess, like, what he listens what to. What Mike Trout listens to, it's Nickelback, 100%. It's Nickelback or Queen. Mm, I don't know For, about Queen. I'm I don't know. I guess think. He just listens to We Are the Champions to warm up. Or like, maybe it's not Queen. It's something from that era, though. Fair enough. I could see him like being like an Aerosmith guy. I don't know. Mike Trout just seems like a, or maybe he just listens to like Kids Bop. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, they thought that having Nickelback walk-up songs for everybody was going to be the answer to all their problems, um, and they were wrong. They're down bad. They're down. They're down real bad. Um, like I said, nine and a half back in the West, the Astros are on top right now. Um, just not what you want to see. Mike Trout, ice cold. We'll get to that in a little bit. How's Shohei Otani doing? Uh, oh, so ice cold. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just not ideal. What are his stats like? So during this stretch, Otani is batting 186 with the 735 OPS, which has essentially just been, he's walking a lot. He's got eight walks, an intentional walk and two hit by pitches during that stretch. So his OPS is strictly because of his on-base percentage gotcha 
Yeah, I know he was definitely struggling when they played the Yankees. Uh, on the on the mound as well. Yeah, he's over his last two starts, nine earn, uh, nine ERA in uh, two starts, and uh, his average against is three fifty nine. His OPS against is one eleven eighty five. Oh my god. Oh, Otani, brother. Yeah, there's the Angels have just been all over the place, and and I don't know what it is because I f- like they really had it all kind of figured out in the first little bit, and. Since, like, I guess end of May, really? Like, the last, like, two and a half weeks, they've just been broken. And you said a little interesting thing that you discovered while going through that last two weeks, right? Yeah, so Anthony Rendon's been out during this entire stretch. Mm -hmm. So what that tells me is he's actually the leader in the clubhouse, and Mike Trout is a baby bitch. (laughs) I mean, listen, I could see... Like obviously, neither of us played for the Angels. We have no idea what their clubhouse dynamic is. But I could see in a very real world where Mike Trout's uh, lead-by-example kind of guy, not necessarily a vocal person in the clubhouse. He's probably not the guy to sit them down after losing 14 in a row and be like, guys, we need to figure the F out because this is ugly. Um, I couldn't see it needing to be somebody else. Obviously, it can't be Otani for language, language. barrier reasons. Um, although it would be pretty funny for him to give a speech and then his translator's just going absolutely apeshit. And then the entire locker room's like, yeah, let's go. That would, that would be so electric. I, yeah. I actually really hope that happens. Um, <laughs> there's a pause after he starts talking, you hear the translator and then the applause. Yeah, but, but it's like, it's like he says something right in Japanese and then his translator like steps up super calmly and goes, let's go get hyped. That, I mean, I think that, that would just be incredible. That that'll go viral everywhere, um, but what their their upcoming stretch, they have I, I know they they face the Mets at some point, I think uh, actually yeah to today no no tomorrow they get the they get the Mets oh yeah pray for the Angels they have the Mets Dodgers Mariners, and then they have a little bit of a break, but they're gonna be they're gonna be busy and it's not that's not what you want from them I, I wanted I wanted better I need them to to start gaining some ground. Because, I, I, that's what we. I feel like that's one of the things we wanted from the beginning of the season. Was like, hey, this crew of people they've assembled finally could have a chance to be a playoff contender. At minimum, be maybe a wild card team. I understand the Astros are a great club. I get that. Minimum a wild card would be nice, but they're they're being the angels of old right now, and it is unfortunate. If any, if anything, maybe they're active at the trade deadline. That fires them up a little bit. We'll see. Um, hopping back over to, to talk more about managers getting fired. Uh, the Phillies cut Joe Girardi last week. Um, they had been playing just as terrible as the Angels have been. Um, and it, it, w- it was interesting because, I, from what I understand, um, <clears throat> their GM, uh, who I think is Dombrowski, is not typically a guy that will fire a manager midseason. Um, so nobody really thought that they were going to cut Girardi. They were like, Hey, maybe they'll reevaluate at the end of the season or something like that. I guess there was enough pressure for him where people look at him and saying, Hey dude, like you're spending top five in the, in the bigs right now for your team. And they're playing like a bottom five team. That just is a terrible look. So they let Girardi go, um, brought in Rob Thompson, not Rob Thomas, not to be confused with the matchbox 20 singer. Yes. Or the center for the St. Louis Blues. Sure. Thank you for that hockey factoid. 
Dennis's hockey factoids for today. Um, but they moved on from him, and so and and since they moved on from Girardi, unlike the Angels, the Phillies have been playing a lot better. How how have they been doing, Deets? Ah, that is a great question. Let me pull that up real quick. Uh, well, I can tell you this: Bryson Stott has been absolutely raking since getting a little bit more playing time, and I think that was one of the things that they were highlighting. Uh, well not not they. Bryce Harper highlighted in an interview following Girardi getting fired is that maybe the young guys need to get a little bit more time because they got some talented dudes on their roster and they haven't been playing enough. Example A is Bryson Stott because all of a sudden he's getting more playing time and the guy has been hitting bombs left and right. Walk off Grand Slam, I believe, last week. Crushing it. I'm not gonna say it was also because the BL guys linked up with him at City Field. I'm not gonna say that. That would be preposterous to say that us meeting up with him was the key to his success and the Phillies taking off and not necessarily winning the division because that's not going to happen, but being a baseball club that you can be proud of. Yeah, so the Phillies are 5-0 and in June. Uh, Bryce Harper has been absolutely killing it. Uh, he's uh, batting three eighty five with a sixteen twenty four OPS so far in June. Oh, that's uh, pretty good. That's pretty good. Bryson Stott, since June 1st, he is batting two sixty three with a nine twelve OPS. Woo! Two home runs. So they're they're heating up with those guys. I'm sure Castellanos is hitting home runs still whenever something terrible happens to someone. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> so. <laughs> Even if it's not national national news, we know it's out there. It's happening. Um, and listen, I know nobody wants to hear me say it, but Bryce Harper's up there in an MVP conversation. It's it's a reality. It's probably not going to happen because there are guys who are playing way better. Example, Paul Goldschmidt, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, ridiculous. Manny um, Machado. Manny Machado, ridiculous. Pete Alonzo. Not quite as ridiculous, but ridiculous. Um yeah, no, the Phillies have been have been making their way back. Now they're still they still have some ground to cover. They're still nine and a half back in the Mets. But you know who's also starting to figure it out, and um, and actually concerns me is the Braves. Braves have won eight of their last ten. They're only seven and a half of the back seven seven and a half back of the Mets now, and I think they were ten, they were nine or ten at, like recently. And obviously the Mets have struggled a little bit in in recent. Um, they split their series with the Dodgers. Just lost two bad games to the Padres. I think they're just a little out of funk. Had some injuries. Pete got hit. Uh, Marte had like a hamstring thing or something. So, and the Mets play the Braves next month. So, they have some room. They actually have a pretty easy schedule coming up, which I think is good for them. They'll, they'll have some time to bounce back and maybe play some a lot better games and, and kind of maybe get some more space between them and the Braves before they see them in July because, obviously, end of the season, too, they get a lot of in-division games. So, It'd be nice to have a, an, a, a real big cushion at the All-Star break because I think we had some semblance of a cushion at the All-Star break last year, and that disappeared instantly mm-hmm. um, in a very, very bad way. So, If I'm not mistaken, too, this is around the same time the Braves got hot last year. So if they're going to continue to get hot, especially with Ronald Acuna just being an absolute uh, world beater right yeah. now. Yeah, uh, hopefully no monumental collapse for the Mets. No, you, you you definitely would hate to see that. And I think, actually, they got hot a little bit later because I feel like it was right around the All-Star break where the Mets were playing, like, good enough to hold on to first place, but they had all these injuries, and, like, it, it just didn't make sense that the, the, the division was very weird last year. The Mets were – half their team was hurt, but they were still winning a bunch, and it was very strange. But then DeGrom got hurt at the All-Star break, and then – the Braves all of a sudden made crazy moves at the All-Star break, and then the Braves went and won the World Series. So, and Jacob DeGrom's coming back soon. Apparently the Mets are very 
excited with his progress. Max Scherzer has a few weeks to go still, but that's fine. Again, we're we're not in a rush. The Mets are uh, seven, almost eight games up in the division right now. Take your time, boys. As long as we can kind of hold on, get our guys back healthy, they'll they'll have be, they'll be in a, in a good spot in midway through the season, which I'm 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 good with. And then also last week, Eduardo Escobar here for the cycle. That's cool. That's cool. He wasn't playing that good. And we I think we talked about it, I want to say, two episodes ago, that he was a liability, possibly could get traded type thing. Yeah, y'all are talking about J.D. Davis being the starter until they can make a trade for Bogarts or uh, Devers, which I don't think Boston's looking to do at the moment. I disagree now. Okay. I actually heard someone else, uh, uh, um, a more mainstream uh, sportscaster, saying that the if the Red Sox are not in the mix, that absolutely it makes sense they were more thinking bogarts i also think it's more bogarts because he's a little bit older and he's already said that he's not coming yeah back. he's gonna be he would be a good piece to add for like a, a half a season type thing and it, it was interesting too their, their comparison because i think it's more than ever now um the mets are actually in the conversation for this the mets dodgers dynamic is so interesting mm-hmm. because now not only do they have the same level of um, wealth in ownership, but the teams are also both as good as each other. Like, no problem. If I said tomorrow the season ended and I told you the NLCS was the Dodgers-Mets, makes perfect sense. And they split because they are relatively equal, you know. Um, but at the trade deadline especially, what the Dodgers have been doing in past is they go out at the trade deadline when they want to win a World Series, and they're getting the best guy for whatever it costs. Last year, they got Trey Turner, Max Scherzer. Before that, Machado. Before that, you Darvish. Like, they'll add whoever they need to go win a championship. But I think the Mets now, because they're not only are they winning, they have Steve Cohen, they have an established manager, and they're playing really well. Their management's going to be the same way. Mm-hmm. So, what's that going to be like at the trade deadline? Are they going to be fighting over Xander Bogarts? That'd be fun to watch. That's that's what that's what the how that's that conversation sparked into my head. I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Xander Bogarts is a guy who like for the for the Red Sox, they move Trevor Story over to shortstop and they're golden. And for us, we bring Bogarts in and pop him over a third base, whatever. And then we're uh, and then we're living. So I, I'm very excited for the trade deadline this year, especially for the Mets. Last year, I was more relatively excited about it but we didn't make any real impactful moves sure javi but that didn't really like move the needle where we needed it to um did per- you did you hear something recently on sny they were talking about uh the mets considered cutting javi Baez after the thumbs down incident oh yes i did see that that is ridiculous why are you bringing that up now like i feel like you're just trying to put negative energy onto the mets that's so unnecessary yeah that sny stop that like it didn't matter then. It sh- certainly doesn't matter now. Um, but I, I hated that whole thumbs down thing. But it was, I also thought it was funny that like Julius Randle picked it up and was doing the same thing to the fans. Like, what are we? Is that is that our thing now? Like, I don't know. Um, but either way, the Mets are they're moving forward. The NL East I think is going to get more interesting as the season goes on. I I don't think it's going to stay as lopsided as it is right now. Um, let's get into the hot list. Cool. So, start off, we'll go with the uh, Braves' uh, Ronald Acuna, since he was mentioned already. Mm-hmm. His last 15 games, he's batting 368 with a 1041 OPS, three home runs, 10 RBIs. Braves are 10-5 and five in that stretch. 
It is worth noting, though, they played the Marlins, the Phillies, while they had Girardi, mm-hmm. Arizona, Colorado, and Oakland. So not like the greatest of competition, but still you love to see the guy that's supposed to be the face of your team after Freddie leave just absolutely mashing while yep. the team's finding success. Love to see it. And I'm, and I'm glad because he kind of started off a little slow, but he's he's picked it up as Ronald, only Ronald Acuna can. Um, <clears throat> and as much as it scares the hell out of me because he is unreal at baseball, um, it is it is cool to see. I'm glad that he's playing well and, and back to being like that guy because baseball needs that 100%. And speaking of being that guy, Jordan Alvarez, he uh, got a nice extension. Uh, one sure of Gerson's did. favorite players in the league. Yeah. Last 10 games, team. he's got five home runs, 11 RBIs. He's batting 421 with a 1395 OPS. This season, he's got 17 home runs, 36 RBIs, 289 average, and a 1011 OPS. Yep. Pretty pretty solid player that I feel uh, hadn't gotten mentioned or love, and you actually got hate for putting him on your uh, all-star list. Absolutely. When, when we were putting together with uh, – the guys over at Baseball Institute, and they were asking me who's who's my all top MLB team, and I said Jordan Alvarez, left field. So much hate for it, guys. Wake up, wake up. He's he's a beast, and he totally earned that six years, hundred and fifteen million dollar extension. Great move by the Astros locking him up for a while because he's just he's only getting better, and like he's already been a threat. Now he's just an everyday monster. Are the Astros ever going to be bad again? Hmm. That's a good question, Dennis. I would have a hard time saying that they'll ever be bad. They'll at least – I think they'll be like the Cardinals, where, like, even if on a down year they still have a quality team, like, they lost Correa. Cool. Let's bring up our all-star shortstop, Jeremy Pena, who's maybe not an all-star this year, but he is going to be a phenomenal baseball player. They have Bregman for probably forever. Mm-hmm. Justin Verlander just casually coming out and having a Cy Young year after – at, at 58 years old <laughs> um like like it's just ridiculous they always have michael brantley tucker just a really quality baseball team all the way through all the time even even on their down down years so to answer your question no i don't think it'll ever be bad <laughs> Uh, who else we got? Somebody else in Texas has been killing it. Uh, I'm going to save that for after the pitcher love we're going to give. Okay. It, it segues into the cold list. Excellent. So, uh, pitcher love. Alec Manoa this season. He's 7-1 and one with a 181 ERA. His whip's under one. He's got 61 keys in 69 innings. When we uh, said the Blue Jays could have some Cy Young candidates, I don't think he was on the top of the list, but he has looked absolutely phenomenal this season. We haven't yeah. given pitchers enough love. Yes, yeah, we we wanted to we wanted to highlight some of the pitchers because they have been crushing it. And Alec Manoa, who I I know we've talked about a little bit as being like you know a young stud, and it was he, like he came in I want to say last year or two years ago he, he got his uh, debut um, and pitched really well um, and you know had a lot of potential there. Um, but he's been I'm sure everything that Blue Jays could have possibly hoped for, along with Kevin Gosman, Barrios, who's kind of been shaky, but Gosman had an excellent start to the season. Um, and I'm, I'm just – I think he he's going to be a key piece for them down the stretch, especially when they're trying to, like, make a push for the division. Um, so having their, their nice little, like, strong one, two, three is like – like, when they're all on, their they're one, two, three is tops in the league, no problem. Yeah, between the bats and also their one, two, three in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Like, if they make playoffs, that's why I put money on them at the beginning of the season. Like, mm-hmm. they're at the top of the list when it comes to uh, teams you don't want to play. Yeah, absolutely. 
not not quite the Mets rotation, but no, but I mean, uh, yeah, listen, they they they're, they could easily compete, so it's good stuff there. Uh, the pitcher that actually made us give the pitchers love segment, Josh Hader. Uh, he's got 18 saves on the season, 30 Ks. His whip's uh, six four point uh, six four three. Just absolutely ridiculous. But he didn't give up a run until his 20th appearance on the season. Yep. It's wild. Absolutely insane. And shout out to my fantasy team again. Uh, what a pickup. Yeah, ridiculous. And, it, and like, it really was just so low-key. And it is – I get it because he only goes out there for pretty much one inning. Occasionally he'll go, like, a four-out save. But, sure. One inning, it doesn't get as much attention. He is so ridiculous. He might be, he could easily be in the conversation for one of the best, if not the best closer of the decade. And I know, the, like, there are some other guys you could think of, Craig Kimbrell's, Kenley Jansen, things like that. But I think out of all of them, Hader has had the most dominating performances constantly. Like, I, I can't really think of a time where Hader went through a stretch of, like, being okay. Like, I can think of a few times where Kenley Jansen and Craig Campbell got batted around a little bit. Hater just gets in the mat and you just, all right, cool. We can, guys, start cleaning up. We're done. It's a wrap. And he, he did, I think, I think he blew that one save that he just gave up some runs in, um, which does hurt for the fantasy team. But he just he's just a beast. And I, I'm considering making him one of my keepers. I'm not going to lie to you because he's a, just he's ridiculous. Might as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, another pitcher, Sandy Alcantara. For uh, or did I say that wrong? Alcantara. 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 Like, yeah, yeah. No, whatever. you might be right. You might. Whatever. Be right. It's the Marlins. No one yes. cares. Uh, <laughs> his his last five starts, he's four and zero. Oh, the team is five and zero oh during that stretch. He's got a .69 ERA. Uh, batters are hitting one thirty seven against him with a three ninety five OPS. He's got forty strikeouts and thirty nine innings during that stretch. But even just on the season, he's put it together a one eighty one ERA and uh, under one WHIP. He's been uh, phenomenal. What a freakazoid. Yeah. And then uh, the last pitcher I'm going to mention, uh, Martin, uh, where are you? Martin Perez. Martin Perez. Uh, 156 ERA on the season in 11 starts for the Rangers. His first two starts, he gave up six earned runs in eight innings pitched. Since then, he's given up six earned runs in 61 innings pitched. Oh, my God. That's so wild. Yeah. That's so wild. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, and then sticking with the Texas Rangers – Marcus Simeon, uh, last 15 games, he's got six home runs, 13 RBIs, batting at 318 with a 1022 OPS. However, in seven games in June, he's got five home runs, five RBIs, so he's hitting solo shots. He wouldn't be a good uh, men's softball league player at yeah, that point. Yeah, a big selfish guy. Uh, 355 <laughs> average and a uh, 1214 OPS. He also became the first player to have seven hits and three home runs in one day since 1973. Uh, they had a doubleheader the other right. day against yeah, the Guardians. Yeah, I saw it. Good for him, man. I mean, his start was just so problematic. I have to think the Rangers management were sitting there like, he's going to figure it out. It's going to be okay. This was this was a good decision. It's going to be fine. Casually crapping their pants every time he was up and striking out or just couldn't get the ball out of the yard. It was crazy. Can you imagine if both those big money contracts they handed out in the season actually figured it out at the same time? <sighs> I mean, that, that's I mean, when we were talking about it. Like, if if those guys are, if him and Seager are playing to their potential, they could be a solid team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but at least Simeon's figured it out. Well, let's go to the cold list then. Sounds good to Corey me. Corey Seager's going to kick it off during the same stretch of games as Marcus Simeon. He's batting 183 with a 613 OPS. So he's uh, been struggle bussing. Ouch. Anything you want to add to that? <sighs> 
Just it's disappointing. It was it is the same thing I was saying when Simeon wasn't playing well. You know it's in there. Um, but also on to Simeon real quick, or just the fact that some guys who weren't hitting as good are hitting better. It goes back to this conversation we've had several times this year and in past years. They're messing with the balls again. 100%. 100%. And I know it, it, it's like known at this point across the league that somewhere in the middle of the season, the balls start changing. Who's doing it? How is it happening? Manfred just loves playing with balls. Let's be real. Yep, exactly. Phrasing. Um, <laughs> and, and I heard somewhere, uh, I think it was Buster Olney was saying it. Um, apparently at the All-Star game last year, Max Scherzer was going off on an MLB official uh, about the balls changing because he's like, yo, you can't do this and then not like tell us about it and, and just kind of be like messing with the game with no regard for if the players know or not, which I 100% agree with. I think it's ridiculous. Um, however... Get those home run balls in there, especially for the boys in in Queens. But I mean, I think it's happening. I it, mean, the Yankees don't need those balls; they're just hitting home runs regardless. Facts. I mean, Aaron Judge. I don't need to say anything. All he's, the money, all the dollars. Pray for the Yankees, man, because uh, he's gonna he's gonna own part of the team. <laughs> um, but I think, and it seems to be right around this time in the year. Like last year, we had seven no hitters in call it two months it was probably like end of june when the last no hitter like came through and then all of a sudden home run home run home run home run crazy mm -hmm. so I, I think we're getting to that point now where they're 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 switching it up and then all of a sudden the off offense starts taking off so hopefully seager uh gets to benefit that who else is on the cold list uh this one hurts byron buxton uh last 15 games he's batting 161 with a 522 ops uh he's got one home run in 19 k's during that stretch uh not great for a guy that uh was looking like we're finally gonna see the potential mvp candidate so hopefully this is just a cold stretch but uh the twins definitely need him to turn it around yeah that's that's unfortunate what are his stats looking like now on the season that's what i want to know on the season let's see i'm trying to pull him up right now because when he's like he started off i mean he's not even in the top 50 anything right now dang that's crazy so on the season he's now batting 217 he's yep. got 12 home runs 23 rbis uh 805 ops and only one stolen base oh my god that's so wild what do you say 12 jacks yeah goodness that is so disappointing because i i want to say the first like 15 games of the season i, I would have i was like ready to give him the mvp already yeah i just want to see him do well man he's got he's he's probably the most athletic slash talented guy in the league he's, he's up there with like mike trout in terms of talent he just can never seem to like consistently figure it out or he gets hurt and here's how important he is uh for his team so I have splits here for months, but also game mm. outcome. In wins, he's batting 280 with a 1031 OPS. In losses, he's batting 119 with a 42 OPS. Wow! So if he's he's killing it, the Twins win. Yeah, and then uh, in April he was batting 271, 1069 OPS, uh, six home runs. May he still had five home runs, but he only batted 169, uh, 610 OPS. So far in June, he's kind of turned it around. Mm -hmm. um, the power numbers necessarily aren't there, but he's got a 333 batting average. His OPS is off the charts, but he's also getting a lot of walks and things like that. So okay. To move to to move down to the cold list or mm -hmm. further down the cold list, we've already hit on them a little bit, but the Angels. 
just across the board, nobody's hitting. Yeah, it's uh, everyone in the lineup sucks. Um, yeah. Even Taylor Ward, who could have been an MVP candidate at the beginning Facts. of the I mean, season. his start was un- unparalleled. Um, Trout, we talked about a little bit. He's batting 152 with a 561 OPS during their losing streak. Otani, we went through all his stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Ward, 167 batting average, 593 OPS. Brandon Marsh, 140 average, 322 OPS. It's not great. Nope, nope. I wonder, I wonder what it is, man. It, like, it's it's so weird that it's happening all at the same time for them too. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I think the most, the, I think the only reason people are like genuinely like, wow, how is this happening? Is because Mike Trout also was the because normally it's like all right the angels suck when mike trout's hitting 350 well now mike trout's batting what 160 152 in how many games in last 15 uh yeah well 14 game losing uh, throughout the losing streak gotcha like that's that's so brutal oh i I know i i can't i can't i'm I'm beating a dead horse here but like it's just just atrocious yeah, so since – I hate when Baseball Reference does this. Um, <laughs> since their losing streak began, he had a three twenty eight batting average. Mm-hmm. He has gone all the way down to a two eighty four, which is, you know, still very good. Yep. Um, he also was pretty much hitless after the um, being called the worst commissioner in the league thing until uh, yesterday. So. Just a little fun fact. Yeah, not great. Speaking of uh, that saga – Tommy Pham's killing it, right? Yeah. Uh, let me pull up his numbers real quick for you. But, yeah, he's been uh, – since his suspension, he's been pretty uh, good for them. Right? I guess he just got angry now. Yeah, either that or, <laughs> like, now he's playing a little more relaxed. He got the punch out on Jock, and that definitely uh, – Just gave him a little bit of a He, he had a lot of anger towards fantasy football that is now gone. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, since the suspension, he's batting three thirty three with a ten ninety OPS, two home runs, five RBIs. So, That's pretty good. Not bad for uh, Tommy Pham over there. Not bad. You know uh, what happened uh, yesterday? I guess it'll be two days ago now once this podcast airs. Uh, Nestor, Nestor Cortez had his first bad start of the year. Yeah. What do, you, what do you make of that? I mean, no one's perfect. Sure. So, I mean, see what happens in the next start. Maybe teams are figuring him out a little bit, or maybe it was just a uh, bad day. Where's uh, – what does that take his uh, – brings his – is ERA to a whopping one nine six? Yeah, no, he didn't have a great line yesterday. Four innings, seven hits, four runs, four earned, two home runs, and three strikeouts. I'm going to say this is going to be my. I only saw a little bit of the highlights. Um, I'm going to say that his out pitches weren't working as as much. I think one of those home runs was on a uh, two strike count. Um, and normally when he can get those strikeouts going, like his last four or five starts, he has oh, at least five Ks. Um, and he's been given the more innings. And, like, I think just him not being able to get guys out so easily, um, pitch count, more hits. It just, you know, when, when, you're, when your out pitches aren't working and you can't, like, finish hitters, they see more pitches off you and it's easier for them to you know barrel up some guys yeah the other interesting thing that i always like to look at when it comes to a pitcher having a bad day Mm -hmm. is uh when do they start giving up everything and he had three shutout innings to start the game it was just a matter of once that second time in the lineup came around he wasn't getting them out and i wonder if it was more of a uh they figured either that or them figuring out maybe they saw him tipping pitches or something like that i don't know could be also, I, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, but like um, 
Joe Madden like chirping the Yankees. Oh yeah, it must have been when they were on their losing yeah. streak. Still, Joe Madden chirping the Yankees for uh, being able to read signs right, or or like have a, g- a good job at figuring out what they're throwing. Apparently, it was they were tipping their pitches like very clearly. That was yeah. that was the whole thing. Okay, so, I, believe, I think it was Otani. Another media company put out a video like proving it. So okay, well that's good. That's good. I mean, I, I, I listen. Major league players are exceptionally good at at, at reading like tipping pitches mm-hmm. and like, and I don't I don't think they get enough credit for that. That is extremely hard to do to pick up little tells and stuff. I remember, I want to say it was, it was um it was the who's the uh, who's the Rays pitcher best great pitcher, like this season he's hurt he's hurt Glass uh, now Glass now Glass now was tipping his fastball in one of the playoff games i want to say it was two years ago um like whatever he was doing with his glove and, and like uh, upon re-watching it it was so obvious but to figure it out in game is so much harder but he was so blatantly like oh like i think he was like turning his glove a certain way when it was a fastball and it was like and the, i think it was the astros were just absolutely teeing off of on course him. yeah <laughs> Um, that's that's always like a cool feeling too because i remember even just playing like travel ball when i was younger like i'd mm-hmm. always be trying to find like whatever uh pitch tip you can get yeah and whenever like it's blatantly obvious what they're doing and you give it to the team and then all of a sudden you have like a 10 run inning and yep. there's no better feeling and like that's the gamesmanship of the game that i like hate that the um the sign stealing like like the, all of those little sagas and things of like people using video and whatever like guys like there is a way to do this that's like Okay, cool. It's not cheating. It's just you're being uh, you're playing the, the you're playing chess the right way kind of thing, um, and that and like that's an element of the game that's definitely been lost. Like that that's a super high IQ thing that in in like the you know 70s 80s like that was mm-hmm. always a thing people would, were looking for. It was never like all right, check the video. Like let's see what signs they are. Like you know it's just it's different and it like it's like dumbs the game down a little bit. And obviously they have pitch comp now, which I'm still not a fan of. I just think it's. Because you know what it is, too? It's like, oh, it's, it'll speed the game up, which it does to a certain extent. Um, it eliminates, like, guys stealing signs at second base, which is also a level of gamesmanship that is just eliminated with that now. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, the things will break in the middle of the game, and it's like, all right, oh, we got to switch it out or get rid of it or whatever. It's like – and, like, I do I do enjoy that aspect of when guys are on second base, like, seeing what the signs are in there, trying to figure it out while you're on base, and then being like, bet. It's, and then you also have to relay it without them seeing it. Because mm-hmm. if that – if they relay it and then the catcher sees it, a they can mix it up, or batter gets thrown at. I don't know. You know what I heard too recently that that I wanted to get your opinion on because you are a big hockey guy. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Mets have been hit so many times by pitches this year. I believe they lead the league at this point. Okay. Like by by a, a wide margin. Um, and the question was like, how do you retaliate for that? And in, in my opinion, like, there's a couple ways you can go about it. Like, because, oh, oh I, I know exactly why. It's because uh, Darvish's start two games ago, right? He hit the first three of five batters mm-hmm. with inside fastballs. And it's like, he's not, oh, no, it's the first three of five batters in an inning. Um, he, 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 and he had, like, a no-hitter going. So, it obviously wasn't intentional. But also, to a certain point, it's like, you can't keep doing that because as much as there's no, like, repercussions – because it clearly wasn't intentional, it's still like, okay, well, at what point is enough enough? We saw it with the Cardinals. The Mets were like, all right, cool, you've hit us three times, we're going to go fight you now, or we're going to throw at you. And it also has to do with the umpires, right? Like, the umpires don't 
there, there was no warnings given out. Like, I feel like if you hit two batters in an inning, there has to be some type of warnings issued because then it's like, all right, then you're at least going to force the pitcher to change how he's throwing because if he hits you again, cool, you're done, it, it, regardless of if it was intentional or not. But also, at the same time, from the player perspective, if the umpires are not doing anything and you got and your team gets hit twice, do you just start throwing hands? I, I, I mean, baseball is obviously a completely different thing. Uh, one thing with Buck Walter is it seems to be a common thing with his teams mm-hmm. that he has them crowd the plate because yep. he wants them to get hit by a pitch. I believe there is a stat that the Mets are, like, statistically the closest to the plate in the league yeah. across, their, across their lineup. The other thing, too, with Buck is he's always the first person at the top of the steps mm-hmm. whenever someone gets thrown at or hit by a pitch, things like that. Yep. So I think he just has that – mentality of grind out old school baseball yes oh absolutely and that's why my question for you was do you think the players should start taking it into their hands more and being like all right you just hit two of our guys in a row we're we're just getting after it right now so going to the hockey thing like it's it used to be especially back in the 80s 90s where you had these enforcer guys where you wouldn't necessarily go back at the guy that hit your player Mm -hmm. you go after their team's best player yeah so there goes into you're going to throw out guys uh if you're playing the phillies you know you're going to throw out harper things like that but it's also a hundred mile per hour fastball good right you can kill someone if you and 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 i don't advocate for for throwing at somebody's head especially if you're going to hit them definitely not at the head that's that's insane we've seen some of the things that have happened david wright john carlos stanton's face like it can get really ugly so i don't really advocate for that however if you're trying to go in that general area Let's throw it way away from them, like uh, when Noah Syndergaard threw it, um, Chase Utley, in the, the mm. famous, you got our asses in the jackpot video. Um, he threw it behind him, but he threw it, you know, shoulder high. You know, it, it was and it had 100 miles an hour. Like, it, what's crazy about that video that I don't think anybody realizes how fast 100 miles an hour is, is that thing came out of Noah Syndergaard's hand on a line and hit the backstop on a fly without changing elevation. That's a laser. Because yeah. the backstop's another 50 feet. Bruh. So it's, it's You don't want to retaliate in a way that's going to hurt someone. But no. at the same time, you want to be like, all right, like, you want them to know. stop doing this. Yep, yep. And, and I think there's a couple. The, 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 sim, the safest way, you drill somebody right in the ass or you hit them in the back. It's a safe spot. There's a lot of meat there. You get the message across. Everyone gets it. Maybe you got to start chirping, whatever. But it's a safe way to go about it. You want to get a, a little more, a little bit heavier of a message across? Sure, you throw behind them a little up high, but it also has to be the right pitcher because you'll they'll have some guys where, and I think this is ridiculous. You get one shot, mm-hmm. right? You get one pitch to do it. If you miss and it's a it's way outside or whatever, and you it's just not where you wanted it, and you were trying to hit him, you got to move on. You can't throw at the guy three times just to hit him. That's ridiculous. If I'm the batter, yes, we're fighting. Yeah, and not all times uh, where someone gets hit by a pitch is it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll talk about the, of course. Mi- the minor league situation that happened the other day. I, yep. You heard about this, I assume, right? I, I vaguely, yeah, but hit me with it. So the Pensacola Blue Wahoos scored three times in the ninth inning, and uh, it's double A, so they okay. have weird-ass names. Sure. Uh, Biloxi Shuckers uh, was the <laughs> other team. Um, their rally included – no hits. It was a throwing error, a walk, and four straight hit batters. And that's, oh yes, I did see that. And that's how they win the game. It's Crazy. a come from behind game, and yep. they win with four straight hit by pitches. Yep. And so, like, and like, that's one of those situations where obviously you're not trying to do that, mm-hmm. but also after hit batter number two, 
that guy's got to go. Yeah, it was the same pitcher for all four hit batters. That can't happen. That absolutely cannot happen, especially if you guys are trying to win a game. I understand it's double A. Maybe you're not, like, pressing because, like, whatever. It's not a championship or something. Like, great. We'll kind of we'll move on to the next game. But also, guys, <laughs> let's get my mans out of there and get somebody who throws a, at least a strike or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's brutal. Oh, and other weird things that, that happen in baseball. Sure. Um, it was the Mets game, I think, the other day where they tried to put in the um, – Oh, Mets Dodge. Yes, yes, we got to talk about this. Yes, we have to talk about yes. this. Yes. Oh, my gosh. How did I forget? Okay, so, Dennis, I need you to pull up the full story while I, while yes. I begin our, our story here. Okay, so, Mets Dodgers. Uh, Mets were winning by, I believe, six runs, and it wasn't too late in the game, sixth or seventh inning. However, Dave Roberts was like, you know what? We're down a little bit. I want to save some pitching. This is a big series. Let's bring in a position player to pitch. Fun fact that absolutely no one knew. Not a single person in the league, including the manager of a baseball team, is that a rule that was created in 2020 that would state position players can't come in without, I think it's at least a six-run lead or, or, or being down by six runs, and it has to be, I believe, later than the sixth inning. And is that correct? It is anything under uh, – it has to be over six or more runs right. in the deficit, and it has to be – it doesn't say what inning, but it has to be, like, later on. I believe game. it was the sixth inning, so let's just go with that. Um, but that, that was a rule that was created in 2020, never actually instituted. Mm-hmm. CBA meetings happen. All is good. They figured it out, moved on. We started this season. That rule has still not been implemented. The season starts. May comes around. So now we're two months into the season. And the rule becomes active. Nobody knows about it, but the rule now is in place. And then it comes into play at some point. And the umpires apparently know about it. And They didn't know about it until Buck pointed it out. Yes, because and Buck Showalter like, yeah. is a genius. And they're like, oh, shoot, you right. Um, and then Dave Roberts is like, what are we talking about here? This isn't a thing. This wasn't a thing when the season started. And, and it's so frustrating. But he had them call to New York, and they're like, no, it's it's a real rule, which I think is just absolutely preposterous that <laughs> the, the season can start and we're changing the game on the fly. Just absolutely ridiculous. And he was dumbfounded. I think pretty much everyone, I know the announcers were dumbfounded, like the Mets booth mm-hmm. were like, what is happening? Why are they like having conversations about it? I think I was half asleep for it because it was West Coast game, but I did see it. Um, there was a couple of other interesting tidbits with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an 11 minute delay with that too. So yep. that's, that's one major thing. Yes. Um, but I believe it was the last position player on the bench available for the Dodgers. So if the Dodgers come back and tie it and that game goes to extras, if anything happens to any of their players, they don't have anyone to replace him with. Yep. So because they tried to put him in for pitcher, like he was mm-hmm. unavailable for the rest of the game, you're putting yourself in a really dangerous position at that point. Yeah, and and, and I think, too, and I feel like we, we – not I feel like we know – I know we've talked about this. Like there has to be some type of like forfeit option because if you're doing that, like like literally, uh-huh. like if, if they have – if that guy gets injured, he bops his elbow while he's trying to pitch, they're screwed. They have nobody else, no position players. But also – and the Mets have done this. The Mets had like a six-run lead, seven-run lead. Mm-hmm. What? What's? Who's to say the Dodgers can't come back? They're allegedly the best lineup in baseball. The Mets have come back from nine runs down in the ninth inning. It is not impossible to come back and win that ball game, especially in the sixth inning. So much game left to play. 
what like what are we doing? I, I thought that I also hated that aspect. Mm. Um, as much as I do enjoy the position player pitching every once in a while, I think that's fun. That just seemed too early. Like guys, compete. Like this is this is supposed to be an important game for you guys. Down six runs in the sixth inning. Like what are we talking about? You're two home runs away from being right back in it. Yeah, Yadier Molina pitched again. Yes, I heard he got his first strikeout. Yeah, it's just interesting to see a lot of these guys. Like you're seeing it more and more often now with the mm-hmm. position players, and I I kind of enjoy it because it gives you like that fun like it's baseball fun. is fun type of thing. Yeah, especially it, when Brett Phillips is out there. Oh, I mean that guy just loves playing baseball. Yeah, maybe more than anyone else in the world. Um, but like and and, and sure, I I understand the thought process, especially if you're down like 10, 15 runs. Like it, there's no reason to waste one of your arms. It just sure, but also save everybody some trouble. Let's just forfeit. Um, you know what I thought was interesting too on the Cardinals for a second. Manny Machado said this week that um he thinks it's ridiculous that uh Albert and I guess potentially Molina are not having more of like a farewell tour. Mm-hmm. Are you are you a fan of the farewell tour? I think it all depends on the player. Like, but I like think those are legends. Those two players definitely deserve it. Like um, Jeter got one. Jeter got one. Ortiz, I believe, also got. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He got uh, all his little gifts and things. The, I would definitely, for sure, the best one was the telephone booth. Yeah. That he, uh, not telephone booth, like the payphone thing mm-hmm. from the from the dugout that he smashed. I think it was the Orioles that happened at. Yeah, I, I think um, for certain legends of the game, it's their right to go out on their terms and especially yes. on guys like that where they're not going out because of injury they're just old and they've done it all at this point yep um i think it's it's good for the fans it's good for the game because it's mm-hmm. just like a way for them to remember what these players did for the game mm-hmm. and like for me Derek jeter was a guy that i grew up watching like i played baseball because of Derek jeter type thing Heck yeah and to watch him get his farewell tour seeing these fans that have booed him his entire career mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden like everyone's giving him the cheers like it's that's cool just it's cool really it see. grows the game because it's like all right as much as and it was like the the um the Derek Jeter commercial when mm-hmm. when, the, when I think it was that commercial came out like right the year of his farewell tour where everyone's like kind of tipping their cap to him and like even there's like the Red Sox fans that they're like reluctantly like yeah we have like we have to tip our cap and they look at each other it's like we get it he's a legend move but on also like we've talked about it like Albert Pujols when we were growing up it was he was the best player in the he league. was the machine he was a god but kids now don't know who he is if they're getting these farewell tours it's you know son at the game with his dad like dad why are they getting this standing ovation from for someone on the other team Mm -hmm. and it's just a way to start a conversation about well this is the history of the game and that's just how you keep all these memories going is by having something to trigger in our brains like oh remember when they did this and then, like, parents being able to pass down to their kids why this game is the way – like, how special it is. Right. You know what's interesting, too, is, like, the, the thing with Albert is he hasn't really played, like, that good mm-hmm. in, like, a few years. So it's, it's kind of, like, one of those things where – and I get it to a certain extent. Like, some – I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that's done it recently, but I know people have. Like, they'll – in any sport, they'll, they'll retire on a high note mm-hmm. because it's better not only for their – personal health mental health but also for like their their story in the game like albert hasn't been an all-star since 2015 yeah you know what i mean like so yeah these kids that are 13 14 15 they don't know peak albert Mm -hmm. they have no idea but if if you hop on his baseball reference page and you go back to 2008 when he won an mvp and and with an an 1100 ops and hit 40 uh hit 37 jacks 
Like, that guy was a machine. No pun intended. Oh, no. If we're going back to the farewell tours, David Ortiz's last season, you remember how good he was? Yeah. Like, he led the league in doubles, RBIs, slugging percentage, and uh I actually was at OPS. his last game at Fenway. Were you? That's yes. awesome. Yes. It was uh, – it was against the Blue Jays. I think they clinched a wild card spot. And fun fact, my roommate in college, his older brother is the GM for the Blue Jays. Okay. Yeah. But even like Derek Jeter, like what's the thing that everyone remembers? It's, you know, he had a walk-off hit in his, right, last, in his last game, game. at Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Like that, Those are the cool things about knowing if a player is going to have their last season or not. Yeah. And most times it's, okay, they're injured, they can't come back type things. Like how many times do you see in uh, sports where it's like, oh, this player had surgery and you just never see them ever again. Like if, if you're able to go out on your own terms, like all rights to you. Like, yep. Enjoy it. Yeah. I think I think that's that's I mean that, that's <laughs> that's what the Cardinals are doing. If yeah. anybody's enjoying playing their last year, it's Yachty, Pujols, and Wainwright are just ha- and Wainwright's been pitching great. Like, k- kudos to you, Adam Wainwright, for with a two seven three ERA at fifty eight years old. Also, yeah, <laughs> I would love to watch the Cardinals win a World Series this season with with those guys going out. I think it's it's the storybook ending that everyone loves about. That sports. would be epic, even if they don't win the World Series and are just in the playoffs. Maybe even win around in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That'd be fire. And th- like, listen, in the NL Central right now, they're only a half game back. They play the Brewers in a couple weeks. Like, they could easily be in contention for the division if not win it. And that. Like last, they won last year, right? They won the division, I believe. I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Um, for them to go out and win the division this year, that's cool in itself. That's 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 a great way to say, hey, we had a great season with our legendary guys, and like, let's go play in the playoffs. Whatever happens, happens. Um, I think they'd probably run into the Dodgers the way it stands right now if they were to win that division. Um, but I, yeah, I, w- I would love to see them have a nice little like storybook end to the season. However, it actually ends up going, I think that's super cool. Absolutely. Um, you got anything else, man? No, because we have to record another episode. We have after to record this. another episode. Uh, guys, next week we're going to be in Omaha for the College World Series. If you're there, come say what's up to us. Come to the Baseball Lifestyle booth in the bullpen uh, at the Omaha Baseball Village. It is going to be absolutely epic. Uh, next week's episode, we're going to be putting together our potential all star team, so stay tuned for that. Um, and we'll see you guys in Omaha. See you next time. Deuces. Baseball lifestyle, it's my lifestyle. <laughs>